Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to episode 23 of We Do Recover. I'm the host of this thing, Jared Miller. To the right of me, this man right here is my co-host, your co-host, everybody's co-host, <laughs> medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy to be here. Sorry, I didn't mean to scream into my mic. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was at a KISS concert. <laughs> and as always, <laughs> there you go. As always, Sorry. we got the man that makes this thing possible, Sean Denovan. Hey! He's notorious for that. Today, we got a special featured guest for you. Episode 23, we've brought in a guy who is a mover and shaker in the world of, of foundation, mental health. He, personally, to me, he's a mentor to me, an amazing guy, John Gossett. What's up? Happy that you're here, buddy. Happy that you're here. <laughs> I'm glad you invited me. Thanks for coming down. This podcast was recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 23, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Listen, listen, listen. If your loved one needs help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. I promise you won't regret it. I was just at Steps last night actually doing a my intern thing, and we did a family group, and it was a beautiful thing, man. A lot of love, a lot of emotion. Even during COVID, they're, doing, they're including the families. Love Steps. Sweet. Hey, um, I, I got to lead off with something real quick. Where did you say this podcast was being recorded? Sunny St. George, Utah. Okay, why did I step out of my hotel this morning and freeze like I like I was in Alaska? Holy mackerel. <laughs> it is not sunny St. George today. First of all, it's gray, and second of all, it is cold down here. Yeah. Not usually this cold. Man, thank you for nope. starting this thing off with a beautiful new and good, Terry. No golf. No, <laughs> no golf for me today. That's what's new uh, and bad for me. Shucks. I can't play golf in this weather. We're going to mix it up a little bit today. How right. about New Year's resolutions, right? Because it's... it's uh, 2021 all right it is and so 2020 yeah just became old enough to drink apparently okay well yeah now, <laughs> you think last year was bad wait until 2021 starts drinking boy i hope that that's not the uh, case good i hope not all right I, I see what you did there this is a substance abuse podcast see that i did that and you're clever oh yeah clever. i made that up myself i didn't see that on a meme yesterday at all <laughs> <laughs> so what's your goal for 2021 what's Dr. my goal Sellers? uh okay i have a couple uh timeliness is going to be one of them i'm not very good at being on time what i know it's a shock to most people that know me but it's true i'm working on timeliness i am working on um less i'm going to work on less uh i'm quite forceful on social media I get in some arguments and such. I'm going to engage less in that. Maybe even not engage at all. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, well, listen, I'm a, I'm an opinionated guy, and I'm opinionated about things that make a lot of that that mean something to me, like substance abuse, for example. And uh, but but on social media, everybody can be an expert on it, and I I don't take that very well because I hear all kinds of opinions on social media that are just not true. And so I'm going to have to engage less in social media. There you go. Watched the social dilemma the other night. Finally, my kids have been telling me to watch that. I watched it. I, I, yeah. You got to take a page out of my book. I always just say to people, thank you for your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Sean I, Denovan. I do too, but then I say, now go shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Denovan, what's, uh, what's your New Year's resolution for 2021? Well, I'm already halfway there. Okay. I am. I'm already losing weight. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, you yeah. man, you shut look up. skinny oh, today. Holy mackerel! <laughs> no, I'm down ten pounds already. So you are sweet. Yeah, yeah. So when did nice you start job. this endeavor, Sean? I don't know. A couple weeks ago, a month ago. You dieted over the holidays. No, That's got to be some no kind soda, of soda. Less food. That's just about it. Nothing special. No big Dr. Peppers like you're swigging there, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of water, and uh, yeah, I, a couple cheat days here and there. But um, I'm already noticing that uh, my back feels better sleeping because I have no extra fat in my gut. Nice. I don't know. Explain that one. Nice. There you go. Ten more pounds and I'm done. I, I, I have very low expectations for the year, so you know I don't want to say anything too high. I like it. Hey, set it. Set achievable. You know, achievable goals. I, I love it. All right, and finally, John Gossett. Let's hear from you, brother. What's your big goals in 2021? Well, I've already picked up Sean's 10 pounds. Uh, <laughs> That's weird. So did I. My, my back hurts like hell. <laughs> and you can't sleep at all. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Yeah, except, for, except for at the uh, Hilton. That That's was right. awesome. It was awesome. No, actually, uh, to be honest with you, I always do New Year's resolutions. Okay. And 2020 was rough. So rough. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking a mulligan. I'm going to try those ones again this year. So you just just going to yeah. slingshot it. Do it again. Continue it, it again. over. This this year I'm going to do them. Hey, there you go. Yep. How about that? Next That's year, my New Year's resolution. Next year you're going to say the same dang thing again, right? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the first year I've kicked it down the road. So That's, That's good. Me. That's good. All right. I'm excited to, to jump into this thing. John Gossett is the founder of Life's Worth Living Foundation, which is a suicide prevention foundation. And we're going to get to his foundation. I want to get to know John, right? A big thing in my podcast is I want to bring people on and I want my audience to be able, be able, I can't talk today, to relate to them. So John, <laughs> I see the deer in the headlights over there. Are you ready? I've been teasing John about this all morning. I was, I was born ready. Yeah, he showed up at the <laughs> hotel this morning. He says, man, I've got some some stuff I'm going to throw at you today. So mm -hmm. those, those charges when you were younger? You know, <laughs> they've been expunged, Terry. <laughs> they've been uh, expunged. I love these guys. All right, John. <laughs> yes, sir. Who is John Gossett outside of Life's Worth Living Foundation? Tell us about your family, your kids, what you got going on in your life. I know you're a business owner. You're very humble about it. Let's get John Gossett. Uh, you know, I am, uh, I, I turned 50 in November. Way to start it off with the, the positive. Big, the big five O. My hair is almost, uh, gray enough that I can move to St. George. And, uh, <laughs> as soon as it finishes, I'm, I'm headed here. But, uh, gosh, I've, I've got four kids. I married somebody with, uh, two kids. So I married Tracy. She had a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, so half my work was done. We, we instant family, instant family. We, uh, had two more. So I've got two boys and two girls that range now from 31, almost 32 to 22. And, uh, I, a grandfather of five. Wow. Congratulations. That's, it's, it's crazy to think about. I don't know if you the think that Terry, wrong but with you, man, I'm not old like, enough to have five grandkids. I feel, well, I'm from Orem. <laughs> I love that. Me too. And guess how many grandkids I have? How many? Five. Hey. I have the exact same number. Nice. Look at the bromance going on. I love it. I like, listen, I like, grandkids are great. Yeah, they are. They're a lot funner than kids. Yeah, way. They really are. Way. A lot way funner. funner than kids. So, yeah, that's. Uh, grandkids you just, don't care about. Well, you know, the cool thing like about. Like, you the, love them, but I, my point is if they get into mischief, you just, like, laugh at them. Sorry. Well, occasionally my kids will say, you 
this is the rules. You can't give them any candy. No, you know, none of this. Don't do this because they've got to come home and go to sleep. And yeah. it's my payback for all the sure. times they kept me up. Sure. So I'm, I'm handing out Mountain Dews right. and I've got a junk drawer in the, <laughs> in the kitchen that loads them up. And, yep. And uh, this guy. it's the you know, only drawer you keep unlocked so that they can go like raid. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's any kid's dream. These two drawers that Tracy puts together that are low it. down in the kitchen where they can just get to, and so it's fun. I'm I'm enjoying life. You're a blessed guy, brother. You're a yeah, blessed guy. Tracy's right. a sweetheart. Your she's, wife, she's she's amazing. You lucked out. You 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 drew the golden ticket, it, as they say. It it was a blind date. There's no way she would have gone out with me had oh. it not been a blind date, and and. <laughs> 20, almost 27 years later, she's still putting up with me. So, I love yeah, it. Good, good thing. Dr. Sellers, you got a question here for John. What do you want to know about John Gossett, the man? Um, what do you do for fun? <sighs> Seriously, like, what do you spend your time? What, what, what? For, but not work. What energizes you in your life that's not work? You know, it's funny because I used to love fishing. Okay. You know, I grew up on the Provo River. I, I love fishing. I love being outdoors. I love hiking. And in 2014, when we started the foundation, that kind of all came to a close just because I'm too busy to do anything. So now I have the travel channel. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, wow, you know, we stay really exciting. we stay really busy. But, you know, I, I enjoy being with my family and, and, and hanging out with friends. So that's why I think 2020 was so rough was I love being around people. And, yeah. Man, we were locked up and and doing nothing, but but there's so much I enjoy. But I do love the outdoors. Okay, very nice, very nice. I like it. Okay, so like I said, I I try to point out and, and have relatability be a big part of the, of we do recover. So, John, have you personally ever you have a foundation, Life's Worth Living, that's a suicide prevention? I'm going to hit you with the question: Have you yourself ever struggled with a mental health struggle such as suicide, substance abuse, depression? anxiety, D, all the above. You know, nobody's ever asked me that, Jared. Can you believe that? It's weird. It's almost like I've seen all so, the podcasts you've been on and yeah. come up with questions that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here's the deal. I, I would say, I think everybody, if they were honest, I think everybody's hit a point in their life where they say, you know what, I'm done. I, I just don't want to go on anymore. So uh, at 21 years old, I came home from serving a mission for my church and got married. I did a Hollywood marriage. I was married and divorced in under four months. Wow. So I'm giving you personal information. I don't just hand, free, <laughs> hand out freely, but uh, got you. married and divorced really quick. And I remember after that divorce thinking, man, I'm not going to do this because I thought, gosh, I'm a nice guy. Mm. Who wouldn't want to be married to me? No, I'm teasing. For but, sure. but I was thinking, you know what? I... I can make a marriage work and, and I couldn't. And so it ended really quickly and that was embarrassing to me. And so, uh, I would say I thought about it. I wouldn't have done it but because, it your mind. because I'm too big of a wuss. I don't want to do anything that would, I, <laughs> I have a nephew that says, this is all I got going for me. I'm not going to mess this up. So, <laughs> but, uh, I would say that's the one time I actually thought about it, but, uh, but no, I, I haven't struggled with anxiety. I haven't struggled with depression. I'm kind of a, usually a pretty upbeat person, pretty happy-go-lucky, so. Yeah, if I would have to say, of course, I brought it up on previous podcasts, uh, the color code, right, or the people code, I'd say you're a yellow. Like, you like to have fun. 
you can be serious when it's time to be serious, but you're, you are a happy go lucky guy, which makes doing suicide prevention really hard because you know, (laughs) it's a tough subject. It is. It's tough. And so, you know, when you think you're a fun guy and funny and, and you're holding it all back because it's just not appropriate. And, and so that, that makes it difficult. But I think in a way that's kind of helped me because it is such a tough subject. I don't get pulled down by it. You know, if I, if I struggled with depression, I think it would be almost impossible to do what I do. So yeah, I think that kind of helps me maintain a little sanity. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And look, I, I totally believe that crisis plus time equals humor. Right. And, and so with this podcast, we like, we talk about tip heavy topics, but we like to try to keep it lighthearted and, and have some fun with it too. So, Good. all right, tell Terry, we're doing the one, two punch and your punch is up. Uh, <laughs> well, I just want to point a couple things out and okay. I, I know, um, so I, I treat a fair amount of depression. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm board certified in addiction medicine, but you can't, but you can't treat addiction without treating mental health. And so a long time ago, I decided that I really wasn't treating substance abuse hardly anymore. I was mostly treating trauma. I was mostly treating PTSD and anxiety and depression and, and that sort of stuff. And, um, and I know you deal with this every day, but I want to point out a misconception that I think was only, only humor and please don't be offended by this, but it's not wusses who commit suicide, right? Mm. I mean, that's, you said I'm too much of a wuss and I know you didn't mean that exactly, but people that commit suicide aren't weak. They just are overwhelmed or they're just, they don't have the tools to cope with what life has given them at the time. And, um, man, it's, uh, it's hard. I don't know if you're up to date on, um, suicide statistics during COVID. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not totally up to date, but man, this has not been a good year. It's not, you know, and I think it was in June, late May, early June, California came out and said, we have had as many suicide attempts in the last four weeks as we had in the previous year of 2019. So in four weeks, in four weeks. So we're talking 12 times. Now what happens is there's about 25 attempts for every suicide. So I would assume that the attempts are going to translate into their suicide numbers. Japan also released that they had lost more people to suicide than to COVID. Um, Utah, we did get our numbers back about a month ago from the state coroner's office and Utah has remained pretty steady. And so what I would love to do, what, what really interests me, and I don't know how to do it, is I would like to see an overlay of the nation, the, the map of the nation, and show the areas that had the strictest lockdowns mm. and then overlay the mm. suicide increase. Because I'd like to see if there's any correlation yeah. between the lockdown, because Utah's lockdown was pretty soft, right? right. I mean, it, it, and I think that might have contributed to the fact that our numbers have remained fairly steady. Yeah, but I'm not, sure. I'm not sure, but you know, Terry, you were saying, yeah, it's not just, you know, not wusses that just commit suicide or take their life by suicide. But what happens is, you know, I interviewed somebody on my podcast that had, had, uh, actually attempted in 97 with a, a shotgun and the first shot did not kill him. Mm. And so he reloaded and took a second shot mm. and I interviewed him on the podcast and I'll tell you what. Uh, you've got to be in a pretty dark place to go to the extremes that people go to, to 
exit this life. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's not something for, for the faint of heart. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's obviously he was on your podcast. So that goes to show that the second shot didn't, didn't work either. Right. That's no. yeah. Good point. All right. So let's jump into this. Wait, yeah, how did you, in. wait, how'd you get that? Why well, you're a genius. You're like hey, really hey, on it. Hey. That's right. I thought maybe he had actually succeeded and was still talking on the podcast. Somehow. Does your podcast do? Yeah, he's got. He's got. John drums people up. Right. He's got people side. from the afterlife on his <laughs> podcast. Now that is an accomplishment. I mean, you know how difficult it is to get people on a podcast. Right? <laughs> get them to show up. Yeah. Well, sure. That Just, is some truth. It, but, to that. but your supply of uh, guests goes up if you can use dead people for sure. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Gallows humor, which is not always great. I hope we're not offending anybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It All was right. Terry. It was Terry. No, <laughs> it, 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 it was me. I'll take credit. So, for so let's that. dive into this. So if, if we have listeners that are listening to this, what do listeners need to understand about um, suicide and just kind of under the, the umbrella of mental health? Because you guys have talked about it doesn't, you know, John said, you know, I'm too big of a wuss to try to, to do that. Right. Um, and I find it interesting because a lot of, I would say our society has this perception that just, you just need to be happy. Just find something to be happy. Just be happy. I hear that all the time. And one thing personally, having attempted suicide, uh, back in 2004 is I'm telling you, I was at a point in time in my life that happiness was, I might as well have tried to been a millionaire. Okay. In the mental state I was in, it was just, it wasn't possible. However, wellness is what I needed before I could find happiness. And what I, what I mean by wellness is, you know, connection, positive interactions, some, some type of engagement. Uh, another big thing I think is a sense of purpose or a sense of, of belonging. So yeah, let's kind of dive into that. What would you say to our listeners that need to understand you know, mental health and, and kind of what transpires into leading into. Well, I, I think the first thing that's important for people to understand is if you were to break your arm, you'd go to the emergency room, right? Absolutely. You get a cast. Somehow our society believes that if you've got a mental health issue, that it's, it's got so much stigma behind it that people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to have that discussion. They don't want to be shamed for, uh, appearing weak, that it's it's something that they've done that you know and i think that's the thing we've got a statistic that says in the united states for every five people that are struggling with a mental health issue only two of them seek uh medical professionals for help so that leaves three that you later on will talk about on your podcast because they're self-medicating and they're trying to be the doctor at home right absolutely and, and so self-medicating is not a good idea um, going to a professional talking about it and, and seeing what options are available. Maybe they're not always medicinal. Um, maybe there's a lot that, that you can be doing to help with your mental health. You talked about being cheery. It, yeah. You, you can't look at somebody that's depressed and say, Hey, you know, just look on the bright side. It'll get better, you know, cause that's not going to be helpful, for, helpful for them. But there are things that you can do that don't include medicine that can help with your mental, mental state. Um, mindfulness, um, gratitude, things like uh, just simple things that could be part of your daily life, whether you struggle or you don't, um, probably helpful to have those things as a part of your own wellness. But, uh, um, the other, th the other component is having a purpose and having that community. 
uh, we see that with our veterans all the time. You know, we they go to war, they come home, and they've lost their sense of purpose because they were so specific in their purpose. And they lose their community, too, because they come home and they die in the shadows. Um, 22 a day die in the shadows of suicide because they've lost their purpose in their community. The other thing is, when you're struggling with a mental health issue, I think many times what you see happen is you start to withdraw, you isolate. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and same thing in addiction recovery, man, isolation's a killer. Yeah. You got to have engagement. So hopefully that answered all your questions. If I skip something. <laughs> yeah, no, that but, was, that but, was but really, I mean, having, having associations in, I, I'm intrigued by how closely suicide prevention and addiction recovery go hand in hand because so many of the com components are the same. I mean, don't you agree, Terry? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I actually got a question for Terry. You made me think of that, John. Thank you. That was, you, you worded that perfectly. So a parent comes to you with uh, their child, whether they're struggling with a substance abuse or mental health, depression, as a doctor, you can prescribe them medications. Right. And I think that a lot of times as parents, we're so busy with everything else going on in life, we forget the other component. So if I was a parent bringing my child to you, what advice would you give medication-wise and conversation-wise or engagement-wise? So this is, uh, this is great, because this is a, a, a real problem with sort of modern medicine is we think all the doctor can do is throw chemicals at us, right? Yeah. And uh, some people don't like that. Some people don't want to put chemicals in their body, and that's totally fine because so one of the things, a couple of things that John said that stood out in my mind, and one of those is there's these simple things that you can do, and then people uh, that are really depressed don't think anything simple, first of all. But you didn't say easy, you said simple. They are simple. Mm -hmm. yep. The things yep. to do are... Um, not complex. They're relatively simple. They're not easy when you're depressed because nothing's easy when you're depressed, but they are simple. There's some simple things you can do. There's a lot of things that can be done for people with depression that have nothing to do with putting a chemical in your body. And, and you named some of them, mindfulness and gratitude and talk therapy and a bunch of things that have nothing to do with putting a chemical in your body. But the other thing you mentioned is for, uh, about 40% of people, I think that was your stat, was it one in five or two in five? They, they two, get two help. Five yeah, about 40% of people get help. How many percent of people with a bone sticking out of their arm get help? That's not, yeah, yeah. that's that's three digits, not two digits. A hundred percent of people with a bone sticking out of their arm go get help because that's obvious that's what you do. Plus, you're going to go to the ER and not be judged for it. Hey, Great point. look at that moron with a bone sticking out of his arm. That doesn't happen. But people go think they're being judged for being depressed, and so they won't go get help. But uh, there's a lot of things that can be done that have nothing to do with just throwing a chemical at you. And I think all too often that we as physicians, but also people as patients, think that's the only thing we have to offer. And if it is, we're not doing a very good job. There's a lot of stuff we have to offer, hopefully. Absolutely. And hey, listen, I think that the reason why those statistics are is because of the stigma around it. As society, where you, when I struggled with it, I I wanted to put on Teflon, right? I wanted to be tough. I, I thought going and talking to somebody would make me less of a man. And actually, in reality, in retrospect, I realized that's the braver thing to do, right? Because it's hard. It's hard to go do those things and seek out help and get help. 
Hey, so, I, we got 40 seconds left. I was I just going to say this is going to transition us perfectly into part two where we're going to talk about organizations like John's, Life's Worth Living Foundation, and what they're doing to kind of help lessen the stigma, bring up the conversation, raise awareness. So, yeah. I got a quick thought before we go to... Go. Yeah. You know who <laughs> says just buck it up or just be happy? People who don't have the same life as the person who needs to buck it up and be happy. Oh, great point. Somebody who has not suffered childhood trauma or watched their buddy die next to them in Vietnam. Yeah. And, and it's, those people are not experts in the, the topic. So yeah, this has been great. Yeah. Join us in part two. We're going to take a we little 30 a second break. You're going to hear from our, our sponsor steps recovery centers. We'll be back. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about in our second segment. You are listening to we do recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of we do recover with Jared Miller sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're gonna give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. And we're back. Episode, you're listening to episode 23 of We Do Recover. Episode 23, we got John Gossett, Life's Worth Living Foundation starter here with us. We're going to talk about his foundation, suicide prevention, mental health awareness. Uh, before we get to that, though, got to give a, our... Wait, can I interrupt you? Go. John, where did you sleep last night? You know, I slept at the Hilton Garden Inn and sunny warm St. George. That's <laughs> no, right. you did it might, not. It might have been a little warmer last night yeah. at midnight when we rolled in, huh, yeah. than it was this morning. It was. Like, you're right. <laughs> it last night it last wasn't night. that bad. This morning it was cold. The Hilton Garden Inn is a sponsor of ours, and we love them because they provide us with all kinds of great amenities. But the Hilton Garden Inn, you saw that pool. That oh, pool yeah. Was amazing, that steam right? coming off of it. Yeah, that looked, that looked good. That looks like a place I wanted to go even when it was cold because there's steam pouring off. You know, and they're... But, the breakfast looked amazing oh, this morning. Omelets. So my, my wife, I, I, we woke up this morning and she said, get me a Diet Coke. So I went downstairs, got her a, a ham and cheese omelet, looked amazing, got her a Diet Coke, went back upstairs, took it to her, went down and got myself a Snickers and a, <laughs> <laughs> Snickers and a Sprite and I'm good to go. I love we got this stuff. So yeah, episode 23, part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden in St. George, Utah. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden in St. George, Utah. If you or a loved one is traveling through Southern Utah, Go ahead, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden in St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. I promise you won't regret it. They're awesome. All right. So in part one, we kind of talked about John and some some personal stuff with you. We, we've talked about suicide uh, prevention and awareness, some mental health stuff. Let's jump, let's jump into uh, Life's Worth Living Foundation. Terry, you have any questions for John? Yeah. Um, what is the, what is the answer to the question of life, the universe and everything? Well, that's easy. Um, it's actually 42 is the answer, but, 
Uh, uh, okay, so that's from a book, by the way. Do you see why we uh, say we're just a couple dorks yeah, talking yeah. about? <laughs> we are dorks. I'm for sure a dork. Well, I'd like to know. Um, so let's move a little bit towards uh, the foundation that you are running. And, and tell us a little bit about that first. Well, so when we started the foundation in 2014, I really had not been involved in suicide prevention prior to that. You know, you always hear occasionally somebody that, you know, is either well-known or somebody in your community that has, has passed by suicide. And it didn't really strike me until 2014 when we had a number of suicides that hit close to home uh, for me. And so we decide we're going to try to make a positive of it and start this foundation. Um, I uh, People always say, how did you know that you could uh, run a run a nonprofit, build a nonprofit. And I laugh and I joke with them and say, listen, I'm, I own a couple of businesses that are for profit and they've never made profit. So I'm really good at a nonprofit. <laughs> so he's lying. To so, but, lie uh, but we went ahead and, and just put a lot of thought into it, you know, from the name life's worth living, um, to our threefold mission. And our threefold mission is to raise awareness, educate and prevent suicide. So uh, that kind of has been, you know, and I wondered when we did that, are we going to have to add something to it, take something away? It's been perfect. And so what we do is we do a lot of things to raise awareness. We have, um, for instance, we do the nation's longest suicide prevention walk, longest walk in the nation. We walk 100 miles from Tooele City to Windover, Nevada. We do it every April. And it is probably one of the most healing journeys, one of the most popular. It started out is a crazy idea. Um, not everybody was on board with me. And I <laughs> laugh and I say, my wife says, there's no way you can walk to Windover. And I said, listen, Oprah ran a marathon. If Oprah ran a marathon, I can definitely <laughs> walk a marathon. <laughs> and we rocked it out. And the next year it doubled. The next year it doubled from there. The next year it doubled. This last year in 2020, we had to cancel it because of COVID. And Windover was completely shut down. But uh, we actually had four tour buses and 200 walkers. So to me, that's pretty amazing. And, and nothing raises awareness if Wait, people don't see what you're doing. How do you walk on a tour bus? You'd love it, Terry. So <laughs> yeah, let's get you get in the tour bus and drive to Wendover, but walk up and down the aisles of the tour bus while you're doing it. Have you already been? <laughs> no. no. Yeah. What we do, what we do is we start at Tooele City Hall in the rotunda and then we start walking right out the front doors and the tour buses behind us the sheriff's in front of us and we have groups walk. Now, what's really cool about it is we, we've had kids, oh, probably eight years old, all the way up to people in their mid seventies. And we, we actually had someone that was on oxygen, <laughs> rolling their oxygen wow. tank behind them. And they walked three miles and you know what? That three miles meant everything to them. But what we try to do is five mile segments and the bus is going, you know, four or five miles an hour right yeah. behind you. And you walk as long as you can. That's a heck you get of, back in. But we try to rotate. There's always someone walking. That's a heck of a motivation to keep walking is if you stop, the bus runs you over, right? <laughs> it's true. Is that what they call getting thrown under the bus? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you walk as long as it's comfortable. I mean, a lot of people are doing 10 miles, 15 gotcha. miles. But gotcha. we actually so it's, have. It's more inclusive. Yeah. yeah so you don't, we you don't, don't care who you are. You have to walk 100 miles. It's, it's not the Ragnar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, get out there and it's not the Iron Man, but. You know, 
you've driven to Wendover, right? I actually haven't, believe it no? or not. Seriously? Never, never been to Wendover. That's okay. I'll walk you there life. in April. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I like it. But when you're on I-80 and you're driving across the salt flats, you might think it's the ugliest place you've ever seen. But I will tell you, we take the frontage road. So you're walking on a dirt road parallel to I-80. And this, I guess it was... Uh, 2019 when we went, it had been a wet winter. It looked like Ireland, meadows of Ireland. It was incredibly green. Um, the salt flats are beautiful. Um, the water out there is beautiful. It, it really is an incredible journey, but it, it, what's incredible is everybody shares their story and there's healing and, and verbalizing your story and, and talking it out. And so People love it, and they come back year after year. So we do that for awareness. The other thing that we did that was a first in the nation, we unveiled the nation's first veterans monument dedicated to solving the problem of veteran suicide. And it's a quarter of a million dollar statue. It's beautiful. In the Tooele Veterans Park. It's 18 feet tall. And, you know, one of the statistics that I share often is in the Vietnam War, we lost 58,220 soldiers to combat 58,220. If you've ever seen the Vietnam wall, it's staggering when you look at those names that those were all people that someone loved that we lost to war 58,000. So since the Vietnam war of only the Vietnam soldiers to date, we've lost over 170,000 to suicide. So three to one. And so we put up this statue hoping that the base of it is six feet tall and each side is six feet. So, I mean, you've got quite a bit of uh, uh, pedestal to cover in six inch bronze tiles that are connecting those veterans with resources that are local that they may not have known is available to them. People like uh, Continue Mission that keeps those guys out and active and doing things as a community and, and you know, building that camaraderie and, and just amazing groups and, and different things that are available. And so we add to that, those plaques every year. And so we do that. And then as far as uh, education goes, we do a lot of trainings. Like we're down here this weekend to do a training. Um, we teach uh, Talk Saves Lives, which is a 90 minute training. We teach QPR, which stands for question, persuade and refer. That's a 90 minute training. And then Sunday, we are doing a training here in St. George that is a half-day training, and it's called Safe Talk, and it's by Living Works. And so, and we were we were scheduled to be become trainers in another training called Working Minds, which kind of focuses on the workplace because if you think about your twenty-four hour day, you're going to sleep hopefully eight hours, you're going to work eight hours, and you're going to be doing all the odds and ends in that final eight hours. So the people on the front line could very well be your coworker that you're with every day to notice if you're struggling or you're in crisis. And so we go in and teach the workplace how to be aware of the signs of, of suicide. And so we're available to do those trainings for anybody. We don't charge, um, you know, we just want to make a difference and then uh, prevent suicides. And hopefully all the things that we are doing is making a difference. We, we do know as a community in Tooele, in 2014, when we started the foundation, we have 29 counties in Utah, and they rank them as far as suicides per capita. Tooele was fourth in 2014. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that, that is hard for Tooele County is uh, a lot of people, 25% of our suicides are people from the Wasatch Front that come out to the desert for isolation 
and to die. And, oh, wow. and those count on the Twila numbers. But we were fourth in the state of 29. To date, we have dropped from fourth to 21st. Oh, that's and amazing. no other counties have made more than a two-point move. So we've, we've dropped 17 places. Wow. So That's amazing. So you're telling me that there's a lot more behind the sexy social media stuff that you do. Yeah, John's, yeah. he's well, quite popular. He does a lot of sexiness <laughs> on social media. Yeah, that's the first time anybody said John and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, I do want to point out, like the, you did the gala recently yeah, right, with did. some Utah famous people. We did. And uh, yeah, and I, I love what you do because from a social media perspective, just kind of social media versus reality, you're doing a lot of stuff on social media. It's a beautiful thing, but the, the, the real, at the core, you guys do a whole lot more than, than just that, right? Through yeah. the education, through the... Well, and if I can do just a plug... Yeah. Um, while we're down here this weekend and in St. George, there was a young lady that uh, made an attempt on her life in October, and she she was hiking in the Red Rock and, and took a leap off of uh, a cliff. Mm. And she broke about every major bone in her body, around 30 years old, and she uh, um, is now paraplegic. She's in the hospital here. And we are doing an online, not a gala, but a fundraiser for her. So if anybody's interested, they could look at Life's Worth Living Foundation's uh, Facebook page. And it's a, uh, uh, theirs is called Miracles. I'm going to be part of it doing some suicide prevention training. It's to raise some money for this young lady and her family Good. to help with the medical expenses. And that's a, a St. George native. So Good. So if you're listening to this, go check that out. Definitely be a part of that. I'll donate like five bucks because I don't make dr sellers money but you know yeah i want to contribute we can shake dr <laughs> sellers down in the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> for sure but yeah no that's amazing and also i i don't the what is is it safe to, safe talk that we're doing this week safe talk yeah i want to give a shout out to uh pastor jacob vandebrake see i got his name right hey, we sellers. met the pa i met the pastor that's well not right. really because i wasn't here but i met him over skype he's a good guy huh no you were here yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, was right. you Skype. yeah I was Skyping. Yeah, he, he's allowing um, South Mountain Community Church to open their doors and, and allow for this training to happen. And so we want to give him a shout out. Thank you for that. And, and I'm, I'm excited because I'm a co-trainer and I'm bringing down one of my mentors, uh, Taryn Hyatt, who is the director of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She's kind of a big deal. She's she's from Orem, an amazing lady. And, and so she's going to be down training with me on Sunday. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So Dr. Sellers, I'm sure in working in your career, you've come across many situations where you're faced with somebody in this, in this type of situation or scenario. Can you share an example of, of a time and kind of an outcome? Talk about putting somebody on yeah, the spot. Yeah, you did put me on the spot and I can't come up with a specific time where I've, I, I can't off the top of my head come up with a specific instance, but I know for a fact, I've talked to a lot of people who have said to me that they either are in a place or they're really close to a place where they feel like it's just not worth it anymore. Well, I mean, that that's that's actually a daily occurrence to me almost. Yeah. Like I was, I, I work in a uh, residential treatment program in uh, sub, if you can believe there is a such thing as suburban Richfield, but <laughs> in um, suburban Richfield, uh, and I was talking to somebody just yesterday about, you know, how they, uh, pe people who, not somebody, I talked to a few people yesterday who kind of flip in and out of, you know, I'm thinking about killing myself today. 
and that's not an uncommon occurrence to me. And um, it's it tends to be in my field. It tends to be people who have just lost connection with who they are, and the task is to reconnect them to that, to a sense of purpose because they've lost all that. They don't see anything other than the dark. They see that, you know, everything in their life is going poorly. And, but again, in my field a lot, that's just because they've been filling their body with substances that don't allow them to connect with people. It's, you just, you don't, there is no connection if you're high. There's no connection. There's no way to connect with anything, including a higher power. First of all, I mean, don't try to get in contact with a higher power when you're high. Listen, I know a lot of people who have prayed for their lives when they're high and have gotten an answer. But I'm just saying, if you really want a connection with a higher power, you cannot be altered for most of your day. You have to, you have to, if you really want an absolute connection, you got to be unaltered. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on that subject is I try to teach people to, to get to their real selves and you can't get to your real self if you're putting substances in your body that don't allow that. And we touched on in episode one, we touched on social pressures, right? And I think back to my personal experience and I think to myself, like I was so caught up in other people's expectations of me that I never truly questioned, like, is this something I want? Is this something I'm happy with? Is this something that, that am I doing this for me or am I doing this to please, you know, other people? Does that make sense? And so I think of it as kind of like, I heard this analogy the other day and I love it. If you walk up to a broken mirror, right? Shattered mirror and you look into the mirror and the I mirror, look way better. The mirror, <laughs> the mirror being other people's opinions and other people's expectations of you, you start to think what's you try fixing your face, right? You think it's you, you think that there's something wrong with you but when really it's just the reflection of, you know, other people's opinions. And, and that's why I'm a big believer today in like, look, I do what I do. We come on here. I'm vulnerable. A lot of people, you know, are afraid to do stuff because look, when you were a little kid, do you remember putting a towel around your neck and tying it and you were Superman, right? And you weren't afraid to sing songs. You weren't afraid to color pictures and you didn't care what anybody thought. And then all of a sudden somebody said, nice picture, you know, or somebody said, Oh, that's just a stupid towel. And then nice all of a sudden, cape, dude. nice cape, dude. And then all of a sudden your world crumbles. Right. So anyways, I'm trying to get at is it's good to, to get other people's feedback, but that's not always the truth, right? You got to take a look at it and are you doing this for yourself or are you doing this to please other people? Hey, so, can I point out another thing about suicide real quick that, that I run into a lot? Sorry, I'm not leaning into my mic. Um, and I ran into it just yesterday, and that is the connection is different, completely different than comparing yourself to someone. That's not connection. And in this day and age, we do so much comparing ourselves, but we're not comparing ourselves to the exact equivalent in someone else. What we're comparing ourselves to is we're comparing our insides to what they project onto Facebook, right? And everybody on Facebook looks great. You don't post the picture on Facebook when you look like crap. You post the ones where you look great, right? And so now our insides feel like crap, but we're looking at someone else's outsides and assuming that they're doing great and we're doing terrible, right? I was just I was just talking to a girl at, at, 
a treatment center yesterday who said, oh, my ex-husband's doing great because he posted a picture of him and his current girlfriend and my ex-boyfriend's doing great and blah, blah, blah. Well, I pulled up her Facebook picture and she looks great. Yeah, it's image versus But that's reality. not who I was looking at. I wasn't right. looking at the girl that looked, I mean, she had a really nice dress on and she was dressed up for some party. And I'm like, this, you're, compare this to those pictures. Don't compare what you're feeling inside to those pictures. And we do that comparison. Yeah. And, and we all know this, social media drives suicides amongst teens quite a bit. So I was just going to say, John, do you have you ever been in a situation where you've kind of had that experience? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting with with the youth, like you said, we'll see those comparisons. And again, it's not a truthful, accurate comparison, but you'll see, um, well, I guess if I could take this back to my youth, you know, I grew up in the river bottoms of, of Orem and everybody in my neighborhood was about the same income level. And so those were the comparisons we were making was for your, from your buddy across the street and you all had similar things. And, and what has happened with social media is it's so much broader and you're comparing yourself to everybody you've, you know, come in contact with. It's your friend on Facebook and some you might be looking and, and they're taking elaborate trips prior to COVID and they're doing amazing things and going to concerts. And so they're seeing all of this and that makes the comparison worse. But also with Photoshop and things, people oh, have, yeah. uh, for girls, I think, uh, and I think it's, you know, I've, I've raised two boys and two girls, but I noticed with my girls, that was a much harder thing because they want to go in and, and adjust their pictures and, and, and everything. And they I'm, get belittled for you that. You just dated yourself, by the way. It's Snapchat filters now. It's not right. Photoshop. Right. That's right. That's true. Everything looks better. Your skin on is flawless on Snapchat. I guarantee you it that. It does. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, the comparisons are not real, but comparison can be a real killer. Oh yeah. And 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 I think you'll agree with this as well. Nobody's harder on yourself than you are. You know what? You might look in that mirror and pick out every imperfection that nobody else is even noticing or seeing. Yeah, yeah, I heard something the other day that I liked. Uh, somebody was talking about how when they were younger, you know, they would get a zit and they'd be afraid to go to school because, you know, they were super self-conscious about the zit. But in reality, everybody else is yeah. worried about their own zits. Nobody no, cares right. about your zit, like, right? Is it, it's funny. And, yeah, because no other teenagers have zits. Right, none. And the, the other funny thing you brought up too about the whole, uh, you know, social media stuff is I'm engaged now over the break. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah. And believe it nice or not, job. she said yes. That was the amazing with. part right there. <laughs> we need to talk to her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let us have a few minutes with her. Uh, Mandy, don't do it. Ignore yes, their calls. Mandy. Uh, um, but I was going to say, prior to that, I dated a lot. And it's funny because all the filters, it just seems like there's a big disconnect between reality and social media. You know, you got the Tinder and all the different dating sites right. and you, your brother's going through this right now. You yes, know, he is. You, you see somebody, shout out Jared, Jared Sellers, see somebody on a dating site and then you show up to meet him in person and you're like, holy mackerel. <laughs> Uh, can How you, did you get from that picture to 275 pounds? <laughs> they just show up and say, hey, it was 2020. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, there you go. So anyways, I guess the takeaway from this kind of rant is, is you know, 
we got to find self-love. You got to start taking care of yourself, right? You got to start asking your question, am I doing something to please somebody else? Or am I doing something because it's something that, that I enjoy doing? Let me, let me point out something John said also that I run into every day, and that is we say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. No. We are so mean to ourselves. Uh, I hit a crappy golf shot, and I'm the worst golfer on the planet. I would never say that to somebody else. Like, that's not true. And everybody else is just jealous you're golfing. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the fact that I hit a good shot was a miracle, so why do I have to, when I hit a bad shot, like, be so negative about myself? And I think one of the things, one of the tools that people need to learn in that realm is... First of all, just start identifying when you talk like that. Start identifying when you're saying things to yourself that you would not say to another human being and then try to be a little more fair to yourself because the truth is you're not that harsh on anybody else. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, so we got about a minute and a half left. Uh, John, this is something I'm going to start asking each one of our guests. The title of this is We Do Recover. Put in your words what that means in your world. Well, in my world... You know, and I've worked in addiction recovery too, um, but but in the world of suicide prevention, I think it is when somebody has that uh, that change in their mental state where they say, you know what, I can do this. I can fight through this. You know what, I work with somebody that's in their fifties, and a friend of mine, and he said at sixteen years old, he he wrote a suicide note, fully intending on ending his life, and he struggles with bipolar disorder and, and he fights every day to not write that note. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing. I, I think just having that, that change in your thought process where you go, I can do this. Yeah. We call that in the recovery world, a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Hey, what do we do for, if we have a loved one who's thinking about committing suicide, what tell this, we got 20 seconds left, okay. but what do we do? What, do? what am I supposed to do if my, brothers thinking about committing suicide? Well, the short answer, and I'm going to put this out there first, is reach out to the lifeline. No matter where you live, no matter where you're listening to this, if you're hearing those thoughts that uh, life would be better off without you, your family would be better off without you, it's lies. So reach out to the lifeline, give them a call at 1-800-273-8255. Perfect. Thank you, John. Let's repeat that one more time for me. 1-800-273-8255. Thank you so much for coming on. 23 is in the books, guys. Be sure to join us next week. We got it for episode 24. Like this, share this. It always helps. Doesn't cost you a thing. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.